Mayor Bob Tartlett, take your seat, Bob. <laughs> we can yell at you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sackball. It's uh, October 26, 2017. That's for the podcast crew. Uh, please turn off your cell phones or at least silence them so that they don't make a racket. Uh, we've had a couple of sound issues, so too much ambient noise in the room will actually cause a distraction when people try to catch this on the podcast and in other forms. Um, I'm Dylan Purcell. I'm the former sports editor of the Lethbridge Herald. If you're wondering what a sports editor is doing, moderating something about municipal politics, Canood spent three hours downtown trying to find one person who voted and didn't, so he called me because he knew I had. No, seriously, he interviewed 100 people, 27 of them had voted. It was, it was great. What a wonderful, uplifting thing. I'm going to remind everybody this is being recorded. Shaw broadcasts this a, a few times a day. It's wonderful. Um, it's wonderful if you're not the moderator and you don't have to look at yourself on TV. Um, so just so you know, Southern Dakota Council on Public Affairs airs what time? Several times yeah, Every time I turn it on, I see Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. A couple of housekeeping things. Lunch is $14. $14. Canute's paying for mine, so make sure Canute puts $14 in that basket there. Uh, if one person at the table can just gather and count and make sure everybody gets paid, you know, this, this is not for profit, but we've got to cover costs. Um, let's see. In the half-hour presentation, we've got Bonnie Ferries here. Um, for those who don't know her, and I can't imagine many of the people in here don't, she's a political scientist, works at Lethbridge College. She's all over the media all the time because she's a, a good, pragmatic voice about municipal politics. Uh, not, you don't need the $5 words, you get a good, succinct analysis of things when you do an interview with her, so it's, it's very nice that she's you know, been gracious enough to come join us. Um, She's going to talk about the recent municipal election. Now, just for those, for the 27 out of 100 people in Lethbridge who did vote, you know all about the municipal election. For the rest of you, 27 out of 100 people voted, and we elected a council that looks a whole lot like the other council. Yeah. Uh, that's just how it went. So, you know, Mayor Waistcoat is back. We've got, it's just, it's wonderful. It's name recognition ruled. I'm sure we'll hear all about this. I'm very excited. So we're going to get going right now because I do not like to keep these very long. So let's welcome Bonnie Ferries, the manager of, hold on, this is a mouthful. The manager of institutional planning, analysis, and risk services at Lethbridge College. Thank you very much, and since Dylan pretty much summed up my whole presentation, uh, no, I'm just kidding, there's a whole lot more going on than that. Uh, he did touch on something very interesting about how uneventful this election really was, and so I am going to focus a lot on what it means moving forward. Um, however, first I want to say my title is City of Lethbridge Municipal Election, a post-mortem. Uh, breaking down the results and taking a deeper look. I tried really, really hard to come up with a super exciting, awesome name, but at the end of the day, it's still municipal government and I just couldn't do it. So this is what you get. I hope I, hope I will wow you with the content rather than my title. When I was asked to do this, what Knut asked me to do was sort of Talk about the election, talk about the results and what it means. He gave me quite a breadth um, and flexibility to do whatever I wanted. Um, so at this point, I'm not entirely sure where I'm going to go with it because there's so much to talk about. Um, 
but I'm hoping that it's interesting and insightful. So I'm not going to spend too much time on the actual election results. Um, can you all see this? No. Okay, I will try and move on quickly. Um, these are the 2017 results compared to the 2013 results. Now, it is true, not much changed. And as you all know, um, when there's not a lot of uh, major issues or contentious issues or um, a, a strong mayoral race, voter turnout is usually low and incumbents usually rule the day. Not much is different here. As you can see, voter turnout in this election was at 27%. So yeah, 27 out of 100 people voted. Um, it seems dismal, that's pretty standard for municipal elections. It's actually higher than I expected for this election. Um, in 2010, when there was major changeover on council, voter turnout was at 35%, and that was really high. So 27 for a pretty uneventful election is not too bad. And we'll talk a little bit about the issues as well. But in 2013, you'll notice turnout was uh, just shy of 30%. So pretty close. Um, what you will notice, there's a few anomalies here, and we're going to talk about them. The only incumbent not re-elected was Liz Iwaski. And honestly, I can't... I can't pinpoint exactly why she wasn't re-elected. Um, what did she do that was so offensive that resulted in her not being re-elected? I can't really speak to that. Um, but I can speak to why Mark Campbell and Belinda Croson were. We'll talk about that in a minute. So if you look, not a lot's changed. Maybe the order a little bit, but not a lot. We'll go on to why. <coughs> It's a pretty boring election, except for the following four points. Mark Campbell is the top vote-getter. What? The top eight are separated by how many votes? Liz is out, but Belinda is in. And the CAO retires? What? These are the four themes of this election. And they're significant, and we'll talk about why. So Mark Campbell being the top vote-getter. Let's go back to this slide. He had 9,522 votes. Okay? That's significant in and of itself. In the previous election, Joe Morrow as the top vote-getter, and he's traditionally the top vote-getter, was over 11,000. So really, this is, this, it's significant that he's, he's first place, but his actual vote count is not that much different from Joe's, or Jeff Carlson's, or Ryan Parker's, or even if you go down to Rob's. The, the distribution of votes is 2,200 from top to bottom. This is significant, very, very significant. If we go back to this slide, previously there was 5,300 votes that separated top to bottom, or 51, almost 5,200. So this, this race was extremely close. But what's even more noticeable is if you look at, at Rob's vote count at 7,200, Okay? And Liz being, being the one that got voted out was at 5,600. That's a 1,500 vote spread. She didn't even come close to getting elected. Nick Palladino was very, very close. And I see Nick is here right now, so only favorable things will be said. <laughs> but 1,500 separating those that got elected and those that didn't. So what this says to me is that the voting public was very definitive in who they wanted on council. Very, very definitive. And the spread indicates that it doesn't really matter where you show up on this chart 
it was equitable almost across the board because 20, 2,200 votes is immaterial when you look at 21,000 voting. So that's the first thing that's really, really interesting. So, and, and with so many incumbents, what does that say about them? They're trusted. The, the voting population wanted to give them another chance. Again, it's strange that they didn't give Liz that chance, but everyone else got back in. So I think this is significant moving forward. Next. And of course, I guess it needs to be talked about. Um, name recognition, very, very significant in the city of Lethbridge. When there are no major issues, name recognition goes a long way. And in this situation, actually, celebrity played a role as well. Um, Joe Morrow has typically been the top vote getter. For Mark Campbell to come in as a newbie and take top seat is, is incredible. But it really does speak to how people vote. Now, whether it's good or bad, I'm not going to pass judgment. I prefer informed decision making, but um, at this point, name recognition really did play a huge role. And Mark will be the first one to admit that I'm going into this not knowing anything. I'm going to learn. I'm here to learn. But what's even more significant, and this is a little off topic, is that he wasn't an angry candidate. So in the past, when incumbents were unseated or newbies got on, it's usually the angry candidate, the anti-establishment, the anti-council. I'm going to do things differently. Your Wade Galloways and your Bob Babkeys. Bob Babke took uh, in the 2010 election took top, oh, second. He was second from Joe. He took 11, I think, 11,000 votes. But he was the anti-establishment. Mark Campbell was not the angry candidate yet he took top seed. So this is significant as well. In fact, the only really, truly angry candidate was, was Harold Perversoff, who's also here. So, um, And he, he showed well, but definitely uh, not even coming close to being elected. So, but really, there was that, that angst was there. It just didn't resonate during this campaign. All right. Liz is out, but Belinda is in. So now that we've talked, I'm going to keep going back so you can see it. But now that we've talked about name recognition, very few people knew who Belinda was. How did she come in? What is that? Sixth? Seventh? Sixth. How did someone without name recognition, with no a, a new person, come on and be sixth on the list? Anyone here know Belinda? If I called her the Galt Lady, would, would you agree with that? Isn't it interesting? So Belinda came in with very little name recognition, but through, throughout the process, her momentum built. In the forums, she was articulate. She was commonsensical. She wasn't angry, but she definitely had a vision. And people responded well to that. I was impressed. And from the beginning of this election, I would not have, when I predicted, I would not have put her as someone who was going to win. Halfway through, I thought, yep, if, if she can overcome not being a known entity, she might have a chance. For her to come in as sixth is absolutely incredible. She earned that. So where Mark Campbell had an advantage because he was known, Belinda had to fight to get there, and the voting public responded quite well. In fact, 
an incumbent didn't get reelected in, in an uneventful um, campaign. So Belinda really did, I don't know what it was that resonated. I think it was just her positivity, but she was critical um, of certain administrative processes um, that I think resonated with people. So Belinda's role on council, I think will be a significant um, factor in this council moving forward. And we'll talk a little bit about that too. And then last but not least, the CAO retires. Now some people don't think this is significant. I do. This is huge. The CAO or the Chief Administrative Officer is the administrative head of the city, uh, of the city corporation. I was, <laughs> I was trying to call it corporation. Um, so the CAO is the only employee of council. And as a former CAO myself, I understand the role very, very well. For me, the CAO retiring five days before an election is unheard of. It is mind-boggling. Now, I'm not judging why he chose to do it. It is personal. However, when you look at the situation, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And here's why. When a CAO leaves, it's very destabilizing. Right? This man has 1,500 employees that report underneath him. When the leader of an organization leaves, it creates instability. Now, couple that with an election in five days where a whole new council could potentially come in. You now have a new council and you have no CAO. It creates so much angst and confusion and, and um, I think people question job security, where are we going? It creates all kinds of turmoil within the organization that it baffles me that the CAO would choose that moment in time to announce his resignation or his retirement. So I think it's significant as well. And we'll talk about why this is not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it has potential for new opportunities that will lead this council and this city forward. It's a very positive spin on something that could be quite detrimental. So for me, those are the defining features of this election. There are a few other things, but for the most part, it was pretty boring. I wish it wasn't. There was a lot of issues that could have been talked about and weren't. So what were the issues again? I thought curbside recycling would be a huge one. I think it kind of went wah, 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 right? It was brought up at a number of forums. There were positions taken, but I think for the most part, the, the public was tired of hearing about it. Uh, performing arts versus exhibition grounds. I definitely thought this would be a big one. Um, there's polarized views on this, but I think it will be an issue moving forward. Uh, it was discussed, but not re it wasn't a major issue. <laughs> Development, economic and residential and commercial, commercial growth were definitely big themes. Um, but what I heard was that, where are we going with it? And there are some real concerns with innovation and creativity, or lack of, in this city. And that came out loud and clear throughout this election. Um, what the city does with that, we don't know, and again, we'll talk about that. But it was definitely touched on and set a tone. Not just about um, processes, but also where are we going? We keep talking about growth, but what does that look like? Nobody knows. The third bridge crossing came up just a, a few times, but again, I don't think people take it seriously. Um, should we have one, shouldn't we? It's really not the question we should be asking. How would a third 
crossing and benefit the city of Lethbridge? That's the question that should be asked, and it didn't necessarily get answered. So I do think it will be an issue moving forward. And administration inefficiencies. This is where the anger and some of the angst did come in. Um, and it's worth noting, uh, the city of Lethbridge was criticized for the number of employees that they have and the quality of service that is, de is delivered. Um, again, these things are very, very complicated, but the message was clear. The public wants greater accountability. And I think that's where admin administration inefficiencies is their way of expressing that. Um, our taxes keep going up. You keep hiring more people. Why does the city have 1,500 employees? All these contracted uh, uh, labor as well. What are you doing with it? And I think that's a big one we're going to talk about. What's the return on investment? So people, the voter wasn't necessarily angry, but they want greater accountability. And that message came out in a lot of the forums. Non-issues that I thought would be issues. The ward system. That was talked about quite a bit prior to the election, and then during the election, it came up once or twice, um, which I really was surprised about. Uh, so, and in fact, a number of incumbents who previously supported the ward system um, in the Leverage Accountability Survey actually said they no longer support the ward system. I thought that would come up. Uh, why? Explain yourself. Why the change of opinion? And it didn't. So um, whether it's off the table, it's a non-issue, I don't know. I do feel that some uh, of the councillors will make it an issue, but whether it actually gets any legs or not, I don't know. And then full-time councillors. This was strange uh, that it didn't become a major election issue because uh, the City of Lethbridge prior to this election did have a Citizens Assembly to look at full-time councillors. And the recommendation was, of course, to not have full-time councillors for a number of reasons. But I thought this is a beautiful election issue that could, um, I think, spark all kinds of debate and discussion about the role of council, and it never came up. So I was really surprised uh, about what was discussed and what wasn't. But again, they'll be an overly judgmental. Pretty boring campaign in all. Do you agree? Okay, good. I need that affirmation. <laughs> but I think it's going to get exciting moving forward. So for me, that sort of sums up this election. What, where are we going to go with this now? Okay, I'm going to start with the big one, a new sheriff in town. And I'm not referring to, um, and I'm referring to the city manager, not the mayor. I didn't talk a lot about the mayoral race because, again, it was not a surprise. Um, uh, so for me, it's status quo. However, the nature and the dynamic of his council did change, and I think that's significant. But right now I want to talk just a little bit about the role of the CAO. So the city manager is a very important job. In fact, it's the most powerful position in the whole organization. Council comes in, they have four years. They counsel and make decisions, million dollar decisions, true, twice a month. The CAO and administration does their job seven days a week. So who has the most influence? Who has the most power over the vision of the organization? It really is the city manager. It's a very important role. And in the last 30 years, the CAO position has been hired internally. I'm not opposed to promotion internally. However, in this situation, I think council has a real opportunity here. 
they get to select a new CAO. Now, why this matters is A, because of the, of the timing of the CAO's um, retirement, it changes the nature of governance for this council for the first year. Because it is destabilized and because they now have an interim or will have an interim CAO, and then they will have to recruit a new CAO, and they will have to hire a new CAO, the next year is very different than if you had a stable city manager in place. Not a bad thing, it just changes the nature of governance. So while this council, two of them in particular, are learning their job, they also get to hire their only employee. It can be very overwhelming. And making a wrong choice under such scrutiny can be stressful. So the nature of how this council will function over the next year is significant. But having um, the majority as incumbents, there's that stability there. So it, it balances out. But what it also says is this council has a real opportunity to take their time and to hire the right person to steer this ship. And I really hope that they do. I hope that they take the time to look and to say, okay, who are we looking for to, to implement our vision? That's the big one. What's their vision? Keep that in, your, in the back of your mind. Because before they can hire a CAO, they need to understand what their vision is and the direction they want to go in. I tried to find, because I do this, because. I'm like this. Try to find all of the strategic plans, all of the planning documents, the sustainability plan, the municipal development plan, and I tried to see how all of these city strategies align. How they interact with each other. They don't. There's hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on planning documents that don't link to each other. This is a major concern for me. We as a city talk about growing to 100,000. Why? Is that a magic number? Growth for growth's sake is not a good strategy. What type of growth? In what areas? Do we want commercial development? Do we want residential development? Um, there's a lot of fluffy terminology and buzzwords used in a lot of those documents, but there's no specifics. I feel that this council, if they're going to build a solid strategy and vision for where we're going, because I think the voting public wants that. We're ready for that. We want to know what are you going to do with this great city we have that doesn't seem to be changing or evolving. And I believe the role of the CAO or the city manager is crucial to that success. So my challenge to council is to take your time to hire the right person. And I think what's, what I, when I assess the results of this election and how uneventful it is, it's quite positive. This city has done amazing things. It has a solid foundation, okay? Through the economic downturn, uh, with all the issues in, in Calgary, with um, the energy sector, we have weathered that storm well. We have this advantage. How are we going to capitalize on it? Agriculture has kept us afloat. What are we going to do with it? We're growing. What are we going to do with that? We are a stable economy. What are we going to do with that? Again, I believe Council has a real opportunity to build off of a solid foundation that previous Council and previous administrations 
worked very, very hard to build, but I believe the public is now ready for what's next. I'll use an example. When um, the crossings, uh, the, the rec facility was announced and, start, and construction started on the west side, um, rather than people being really excited about it, it was, well, it's about time. How often have we heard that? Well, it's about time. It's about time. It seems that there's this perception that the city of Lethbridge is always behind. It's about time. It's about time. We should have had that years ago. Curbside recycling. Why is it so contentious? What, what large urban doesn't have curbside recycling? I think that there's now this idea that we need to have a vision and a direction for this city so that we can all get behind it and watch ourselves grow in a thoughtful, purposeful way. I was born and raised here. And you know what? I hate to say it, but the city doesn't look that much different than it did 25 years ago. I'm older than 25. But <laughs> that's what I remember. So I think that that's where you're going to go, what, who are we? What is our identity? We need specifics. And I think that's where the city manager needs to have those competencies to say, I will help this council build a solid, strategic vision that matches our existing culture, where we, the people, want it to go. And I've got some ideas around that. So that's the first one. Now, what's next for this council? What can or should we expect? These are the big themes that came out of the election. Economic development, social issues, and development in general. Okay? So almost every candidate talked about new business, new business, new business. We need new business. Um, what kind of new business? Right? Do we want, do we want industry? Do we want, um, do we want manufacturing? Do we want tech? Do we want entrepreneurs? Do we want small business? What kind of business? New business needs to be defined. What kind of economy do we want? And we need to be strategic in how we move that forward. Um, I look at it and I say we have some really significant themes here. Agriculture being one of them. So, so previous council attracted Cavendish, potatoes. How are we capitalizing on that? Right? There was a cost, definitely, to the taxpayer to attract a multi-billion dollar business to the city. What's the return on investment? Are we doing research? What kind of jobs are going to be created? We don't know. We know that Cavendish is coming here. What's the value to us, the taxpayer? I don't know. I really think this needs to be explored because that can have all kinds of economic spin-offs, right? Social issues, we'll get into that in a minute too, and development, commercial and residential. These are the specifics. So economic development is a buzzword. We need more economic development. Again, it needs to be specific. When you read all of the plans, I can't pinpoint exactly what that means. Even when we talk about downtown revitalization, which I think is an important issue, are we talking about mixed density, residential? Are we talking about um, small business? Are we talking about retail? Are we talking about um, Incubators, what are we talking about? And one thing about downtown revitalization is you also have to address the social issues. That doesn't happen all the time. So decision making can't happen um, in isolation. When you talk about uh, a safe injection site, 
you also have to factor in your economic development strategy. It's just a reality. Has the city done that? When they decide where they're going to locate this, have they considered the economic impact that will have? If you have a strong economic development strategy, you will know exactly where it fits and why. And I think that that's where this council needs to go. Um, third bridge crossing. I think that factors into economic development as well. There's talk about this third bridge is going to cost $250 million and you obviously can't do it without provincial funding. Well, what's again the return on investment for that? It's not a pipe dream if you have a solid strategy in place. The provincial government will strongly consider investing in that kind of infrastructure if it's attached to a larger strategy. The south side of the city, you, you see the growth, both residential and commercial. It's close to the airport. How does the airport factor into that? These are also regional partnerships. Do we know what that looks like? I've heard a lot of rhetoric, but I haven't seen a specific plan. But there's so much potential on the south side of the city that really a third bridge crossing is a secondary consideration when you see the bigger picture. When you don't have the bigger picture, don't ask for a third bridge crossing. But when you can sell the idea because there's true economic spin-offs as a result, the provincial government will strongly consider it. But until you do, they won't. I do think that there will be a decision between the performing arts and the exhibition grounds. I don't think you're going to get both. I think that was very clear. And when you think about how much capital has already been spent on infrastructure in the city over the last four years, uh, I just don't think the city can afford to do both. However, again, and I'm just going to be a little bit critical here, this is why a strong vision and strategy matters. Years ago, the performing arts was the number one priority, and suddenly CASA was built. Why? No explanation. Doesn't make sense to a lot of people. There might be logic behind it, but you have to say, how is it that we were told the performing arts would take precedent, and then out of the blue, another, um, another facility was built with very little explanation. Again, I think people need to know why these decisions are made and how they all come together. At this point, I don't believe there's going to be both. You will get your performing arts or your exhibition. Downtown revitalization. We've talked a little bit about that. And then I think greater collaboration with developers. Um, but the city won't get out of private or out of public land development. Um, this was a big criticism throughout this election was that private developers are competing with the city. They're not going to get out of it, but instead I do believe that open, transparent conversations about how that relationship looks moving forward has to be had. Um, developers are some of our, our greatest innovators and creative thinkers. Outside of service delivery, wastewater, garbage, water, growth <laughs> defines who we are as a community, what we look like, how much is commercial, how much is residential, and that conversation has to happen with our developers. Um, and let them be creative. Let them come to the table with really good ideas about what our community could look like. And if that's aligned with the strategic vision, you're going to see beautiful things happen. And then my wish list. Just to quickly, I don't know how much time I have, but this is my final, my final um, challenge to council. Sit down and talk about how we can capitalize on the really good um, economic environment we're currently in. It's not going to last forever. The taxpayer will only foot the bill for so long before they start asking what's my return on investment. 
that came out through through this election and I think it's time for council to really be specific and I call it an operationalized vision get rid of the fluff start looking at specifics um, and this is my my example we have strong agriculture here we have culinary arts the college is doing amazing research in culinary arts and organomoleptic I can't even say the word, um, research on using the senses to determine quality of food. We have potatoes, we have sugar beets, we have corn, we have um, all kinds of um, peas. We have, we have a strong agricultural region. Why are we not capitalizing on that? Why are we not using it to our advantage? Why are we not doing research and bringing together the community using the culinary arts as a way to attract tourism, create jobs, do research, and keep, keep our, our young people here working because they're excited about what they do. Um, so for me, I think we need to have a vision, but it can't be, let's be sustainable. It needs to be specific. And this is, uh, I think, one of my biggest beefs is four-year budgets. I'm all about planning, but a four-year budget that isn't opened by council and reviewed on a regular basis is not an effective budget. So the current council works on a four-year budget, so essentially this council um, won't actually be working off of their own budget that they built from scratch for three years. That's a problem for me. Um, and as an elected official, you should be excited about building your budget. So I would say if you're gonna have a strong vision, go to a two-year budgeting cycle with four-year forecast. Understand where you're gonna be in four years, but as a councillor, don't give up. don't give up your budget. Your priorities are set by resource allocation, full stop. And then employment opportunities, and this is my last one for grads. Nine of the top 10 employers in Lethbridge are in the public sector. When you talk about economic development, this council has an obligation to look at the jobs that are here for the 12,000 plus um, students that we have in this city between two post-secondaries. Um, really look at how do we keep that expertise, that intelligence, that energy here in the city, rather than pushing it away because there's no opportunities uh, for them to capitalize on. So that's uh, my wish list for this council. But in closing, I do believe that there's an opportunity for this council to do good things. Um, the election was boring, but the next four years doesn't have to be. And in my opinion, if this council doesn't, take some risks and develop that vision, the next election you're gonna see major turnover, similar to 2010. So that's just a little worrying for the, for the city council. That's my presentation.